Welcome to the Lean In Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Mitchell, and I'm so excited to welcome you on this journey of faith as we lean in to love God and our neighbor and bridge the gap between church and community. Through these podcasts, I'll be exploring the stories and people leading community transformation, as well as what faith-based social innovation looks like through a spirit-led community development lens. Be inspired and equipped with tips, tools, and resources that you can use to impact and expand your sphere of influence for God's kingdom. Hello and welcome to part two of the mini-series Post-Pandemic Resilience, How to Help Your Neighbor to Endure Well. With the ups and downs of the pandemic, cultural venues around the world have been struggling to woo back the public. The Royal Ontario Museum, better known as the ROM here in Toronto, has taken up a call to action. Recognizing, says their director and CEO, Josh Basetches, that people have gotten out of the habit of engaging in the same way they were before. And he wonders how we can come out of the pandemic in a way that is a clarion call for people to come back to culture. The way the ROM has gone about tackling this problem has been via a provocative marketing campaign video, which they say is, and I quote, designed to disrupt. Reporting on it, the Toronto Star's Sue Carter describes it in this way. Birth is at the heart of this film. A newborn baby traverses through history, observing through narration and striking visuals not just human accomplishments, but collective sorrows and violence, from bloody wars to stolen land. The emotional ending reveals the core of the campaign. And I quote, I will live on in what I leave behind. At the end of the day, the ROM's goal is all about changing people's perception. Similarly, the coming to earth of Jesus was also designed by God to disrupt, to change our thinking about who we are, who he is, and how our choices on earth affect our present and future. Pastor Tony Evans of The Urban Alternative, in his book Divine Disruption, Holding on to faith when life breaks your heart, writes, I believe this disruption we're experiencing has been allowed in order to precipitate a spiritual realignment and center us back toward God. In the midst of his own disruption, the Apostle Paul applauds those who pursue glory, honor, and immortality. You'll find that in Romans 2, verse 7 but reminds us that our, in quotes, doing has to be the kingdom way. We're not to be conformed to the world's thinking, but be transformed through the renewing of our minds. When that happens, this is definitely disruptive, because if we add to it the eternity God has placed in our hearts, then as the Rams phrase goes, we can live on in what we leave behind. But how do we get there? To answer that, let's do a quick review from our last episode. In it, we explored the changes in society due to the pandemic and its potential long-term impact. We also looked at what it means to be resilient in this environment, 
the importance of relationships as we engage our neighbors and seek to build their resilience, and how to love on people who have lost hope now and or when thinking about the future and are looking for stability. In today's episode, we'll be diving more into the theme of stability, and I'll begin with the story of someone who, well, let's just say, had quite his share of troubles. We'll then move from thinking about stability to the practice of resilience, that is, how to respond well to adversity so that we can withstand it, recover from it, and moreover, move forward in life from it. As followers of Jesus, this is the hope we can bring to our neighbors and to the communities where we live. And then, to wrap up today's episode, I'll be sharing four very practical ways to build resilience in your neighbors and among those in your sphere of influence. So, let's dive right in. In the previous episode, we finished up with this verse from Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. He, meaning God, will be your constant source of stability in changing times. And out of his abundant love, he gives you the riches of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The context of this verse takes us way back to around 700 B.C., with the invasion of Judah by the Assyrians. In the midst of this turmoil, the one person who really took God's promises to heart was King Hezekiah. You see, the Assyrian king Sennacherib had already destroyed the outlying cities of Judah, and he has blindly promised King Hezekiah that for a tribute of mm, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold, he would spare Jerusalem. At great cost and hardship, Hezekiah complies with the demand. He even cuts off the gold decorations of the temple doors in order to meet the tremendous burden of the tribute. But no sooner had the tribute been received than a second invasion by Assyria takes place with Sennacherib's spokesperson, Rabshakeh, demanding the surrender of the city. Hezekiah is beside himself and is clearly having a lot of anxiety. But then he gets a very timely word from God through the prophet Isaiah. Hey, don't be afraid. I've got your back. Rabshakeh is as good as dead. And God gives a promise of future stability. A healthy fear of the Lord means we are willing to believe his word and be led by his spirit. Hezekiah is a testimony to resilience, I think. You can imagine the trouble he was facing from Assyria And if that wasn't enough, Hezekiah also became very sick and was going to die. But he cries out to God, reminding him how he has walked before him faithfully, given wholehearted devotion to him, and done what is good. And that's good enough for God, and grants him another 15 years to live. For Hezekiah, it was a new day. Sadly, it wouldn't last long because his success caused him to think of his own interests instead of God and others. By God's grace, we all can experience a new day and move forward, even with all the adversity that has and is being still experienced by some. Growing in resilience is about responding well to adversity so that we can withstand it and recover from it. As followers of Jesus, this is the hope we can bring to our neighbors and to the community where we live. But 
Let any joys or success in your life be used to direct others to God, whose grace led you where you are now. Now, as I promised, I want to share with you four ways to build resilience using the acronym FIRE. That is faith, identity, responsibility, and perspective. I've adapted these four areas from Malcolm Weber's article, Enduring Well. Here, you'll find them contextualized to fit a resilience context, which I hope will be helpful to you in loving your neighbor. So, the first way you can help your neighbor to endure well and build their resilience involves faith. It's about helping your neighbor to move along that continuum from a place of fear and unbelief to a place of faith. In a recent medical study titled The Effects of COVID-19, Fear on Society's Quality of Life, researchers noted that in a pandemic, fear increases anxiety and stress levels in healthy individuals and intensifies the symptoms of those with pre-existing psychiatric disorders. The number of people whose mental health is affected by the pandemic tends to be more than the number of people affected by the infection. So it's good to be conscious of the effects of isolation because of the pandemic, especially on people's mental health. Be an encourager to your neighbor. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. And one way you can do that is to gently drip-feed encouraging words of Scripture, that is, truth, into your conversation with your neighbor, wrapped in practical hands-on offers of help. Trust the Holy Spirit to open hearts and replace the often-held lie that people hold. That is, that things won't change and will only get worse. Change that to the truth that God is able and nothing is too hard for him. That he is good, only does good, and in him we are able to overcome all the things life throws at us, if we just believe. But be aware that residue from the pandemic is showing itself in different ways. For example, some people having lost a loved one and or not being able to grieve properly are now trying to pick up the pieces. And if appropriate, you might consider helping them to get tied in with a grief share group. For others, they'll have had crushed goals, lost opportunities, and be feeling quite directionless. Or for others, there might be upended family dynamics where there's strained or broken relationships. I think in each case, these are opportunities for you to love your neighbor and for them to understand and experience his love for themselves. And where appropriate, don't forget to let your neighbor know that you are praying for them. A second way you can help your neighbor to endure well and build resilience involves one's identity. Here it's about helping your neighbor to go from believing a lie that they failed in life and am a failure to embracing the truth where their true identity lies in Christ. On different occasions over this past while, my wife and I have had conversations with various neighbors, one of whom shared how she felt a failure as a parent. Another was struggling with the consequences of choices 
made due to addictions, and still another wondered what her purpose in life was now that her spouse had passed away. The lie of being a failure or useless or no longer a valid contributor to society, along with self-condemnation, and echoed by the enemy internally and sometimes by the voices of other people around us, is something that comes out in our conversations as we chat with people. So with one neighbor, we were able to share some of our own shortcomings in parenting, but how God had helped us to deal with those failures and to do things differently, that the power to change is not in us, but Christ and him in us. For another neighbor, the conversation led to the topic of forgiveness and the love of God. If we know that the path to healthy thinking and enduring well comes down to addressing the issue of identity, we'll be prepared to love our neighbor by helping them to inwardly turn to God and to the truth of his word. How? Well, it's helpful to share your own testimony, perhaps of how at some point you were tempted to give up because of your failures, yet chose to trust God instead and saw success. Or you could briefly share the story of a biblical character who could have given up, but explain what they did to overcome self-condemnation and what were the results. A third way you can help your neighbor to endure well and build resilience is to help them move away from any feelings of powerlessness and instead become a powerful person who takes responsibility. So in our FIRE acronym, the R stands for responsibility. The lie that many people carry is that they can't do anything about their circumstances and feel powerless. And the river that runs underneath powerlessness, writes Matt Russell, is fear. In his National Association for Christian Recovery article, he states, it's the fear of being destroyed, of being insignificant, of not being or having enough, the fear of being rejected, of not being in control, of being left, the fear of dying, the fear of shame, the fear of being extinguished or overcome and finally overwhelmed. Whereas the truth is, I may not be able to change everything, but here's what I can do about this. Even if it's a small thing at the time, internally taking responsibility rather than sinking into despair and giving into fear is a path to healthy thinking. That's why people who feel powerless often escape the pressures of life in lots of different ways, from drugs to immorality to even shopping. It's the way of avoidance of giving up. You know, the Navy SEALs have a 40% rule. It's where when you reach a point of stress or exhaustion and your mind says you're finished, you're really only 40% finished. So as author Brenny Brown puts it, it's time to dig deep, get desperate, inspired, and going. Where does one start, you ask? Well, the American Psychological Association has identified the following four core components. One, build relational connections. Two, foster wellness in mind and body. Three, embrace healthy thoughts. And four, make life meaningful through helping others. Those are strategies that can empower a person to withstand and learn from difficult and traumatic experiences. Yet as followers of Jesus, we know that 
pressing the flesh, as it were, will only take us so far. Rather, we need a solid foundation to build upon. Danny Silk of Loving on Purpose explained several keys to that. First, we need to know that we were made to love and be loved. Believing the truth that God created us to love and be loved in relationships creates a foundation for healthy relational patterns to flow out of our lives. The importance of relationships in a post-pandemic environment are very important, as isolation has been a killer. Be an empathetic and understanding friend to your neighbor so that they know that they are not alone in the midst of difficulties. Also, some people find that being active in a community group or faith-based communities or some other local organization that provides social and or spiritual support can help to reclaim hope. So be looking for those opportunities where you can invite your neighbor to join you in a group, perhaps that you are part of. Danny also shares that we need to know and believe that we do have the ability to express our core needs. This is the only path forward out of powerlessness. For sure, all of us have needs, including the need to be comforted, encouraged, championed, and loved unconditionally. So as you help your neighbor to express their needs, Proverbs 16.24 says, A kind word brings healing to the soul and healing to the body. We can speak life into their situation towards that goal of wellness of mind and body. And here are a few ways you can support your neighbor to be more resilient in this area. Acknowledge the difficult times your neighbor has been going through, but also take the time to ask them questions around how they think they might tackle it and, if the issues seem too big to tackle, help them to break the issues down into manageable pieces. This is a bit of self-discovery. And, as I mentioned before, let your neighbor know that you'll be praying for them. Another way is by chatting about self-care or exercise or sports and the like. These kinds of conversations can open the door to speaking about spiritual things. But start with whatever common activities you can do together with your neighbor. Maybe it's an early morning neighborhood walk or taking your dogs out together. You have permission to do whatever fits your situation. And then one final way where appropriate, uh, be open about your own spiritual practices. Share about how you journal or meditate, pray or contemplate on positive aspects of your life. And recall the things you're grateful for, even during difficult times. Your openness about these things can help people to build connections and restore a sense of hope. Besides knowing we're loved and able to express our core needs, Danny also explains that we need to believe that we can meet the needs of others. Once we understand the value of who we are and what we have to give, we will want to invest them where that value will be protected and honored. Some practical ways of doing that might be through helping others. So, whether you volunteer with a local homeless shelter or simply support a friend in their own time of need, you can garner a sense of purpose, foster self-worth, connect with other people, and tangibly help others, all of which can empower you to grow in resilience. 
Ask your neighbor about their goals. Encourage them to develop some realistic goals and do something regularly, even if it seems like a small accomplishment. Still, it will enable them to move forward towards the things they want to accomplish. And encourage your friend to look for opportunities for self-discovery. People often find that they have grown in some respect as a result of a struggle. For example, after a tragedy or a hardship, people have reported better relationships and a greater sense of strength, even while feeling vulnerable. That can increase their sense of self-worth and heighten their appreciation for life. So to recap, our course correction for growing in resilience happens best in the areas of faith, identity, responsibility, and lastly, using our FIRE acronym, by having an eternal perspective on things. In this last way, we help build resilience in our neighbor by seeing them move from a place of hopelessness to seeing things as they really are. That God does have a hope and a future for them, that he has placed eternity in our hearts, and that what has happened to them isn't a given indicator of how their future will go. Helping your neighbor to see things from God's perspective requires that they have a renewed mind, the mind of Christ. How they think can play a significant part in how they feel and how resilient they are when faced with obstacles of life. Psychologists will suggest we accept that change is a part of life or encourage us to maintain a hopeful outlook. They might suggest we learn from our past or have us think about our goals in life. They might even get us to look for opportunities for self-discovery. All of these can help to some degree to support a neighbor who feels a sense of hopelessness. But as the saying goes, good roots produce good fruit. As followers of Jesus, changing your mindset requires the renewing of the mind and the needed work of the Holy Spirit. But people also need to know that they are not alone on this journey. In Romans 12, we read, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. Renewing the mind is the key to transformation. Well, what's wrong with our minds? Why does our mind need renewing? Well, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4.23, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, we have a mindset that is hostile to God. John Piper, in writing about this, says, Our minds are bent on not seeing God as infinitely more worthy of praise than we are or the things we make or achieve. And then Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 reminds us that rooted below layers of a futile mind or empty logic, darkened or blinded understanding, and a willful ignorance or spiritual apathy, is a hardened heart. It is our mental suppression of liberating truth that is rooted in our hardness of heart. Well, what does this renewal that we need look like? A renewal first and foremost comes as a renewal of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who alone renews the mind and any of our efforts come after his initiatives and enablings. The Holy Spirit helps us to set our affections on the glory of Christ, which is the opposite of what the enemy wants for us. 
The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Seeing the sum total of all God is for what it really is will renew the mind and transform a life and result in Christ being worshipped. So the Holy Spirit works really from two sides. One, from the inside out, softening the hard heart that has blinded and corrupted the mind so it can't receive truth. And two, from the outside in, to present the truth of Jesus to the mind and leads to an open heart, one that will set our affections on God. It is all about coming into agreement with God's plan on who is to be at the center of our lives and restoring creation to the way it was. And how can we pursue and enjoy this renewal for your neighbor? Well, don't try to go it alone, but join with the Holy Spirit in his work. Let the Holy Spirit lead your conversations and actions to reveal God's heart for them, but also be in your prayer closet. Pray that the blinders will be taken away from their eyes to see the truth. And if you need some extra encouragement or help in knowing how to pray for your neighbor, check out an excellent article by Our Daily Bread titled Loving Your Neighbor Through Prayer. You'll find it on the ourdailybread.org website. So as we close this episode, my prayer is that you will love your neighbor and as you do, you'll find the Holy Spirit opening doors where you can help them to endure well. May the fire of faith, identity, responsibility, and eternal perspective be working inside us all so as to respond well to the troubles of today. And may we see our difficulties as the substance that produces in us an internal weighty glory far beyond all comparison, because we haven't focused our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Dear listener, with eternity placed in our hearts, let's keep leaning in with God's love. For therein, I believe, lies the key to true resilience and our neighbor's well-being.